0: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Mysterious Benedict Society Read Aloud Podcast. This is episode 27, and we'll be reading chapter 36, but first a recap of chapter 35. So the entire chapter was about how Kate and Constance were trying to reach the flag tower to help Rennie and Sticky. Constance was being her usual self by lagging behind and complaining, and Kate was using every single ounce of energy she could to muster to reach that flag tower. There were a lot of bumps in the road, including a whole lot of executives, and in the end, Kate hoisted Constance up to the tower, and she stayed on the ground to deal with the executives all by herself. So hopefully, Kate will be okay. Okay, that's the recap of Chapter 35. Let's read Chapter 36. Chapter 36, Stands and Falls. "'Mr. Curtin, Mr. Curtin, sir!' Buzz SQ's voice through the intercom. For Rennie, the interruption could not have come at a better moment. For what seemed an eternity now, he had watched Stiggy alternately frown with effort and smile with relief, his tea-colored skin going almost as pale as honey and perspiration trickling down his cheeks like tears. But the frowns had at least faded away, replaced entirely by pleasing contented smiles. Stiggy made a great effort, but in the end he couldn't help it. He had stopped resisting.' Mr. Kern, however, did not welcome the interruption. After a night with too few sessions, he'd finally gotten a messenger into his whisperer again, only to struggle unexpectedly. The machine had gone bulky as an old donkey, losing Mr. Kern's train of thought and sometimes misunderstanding him altogether. Usually the mental effort for him was speaking into a telephone and hearing his own voice in the receiver. But this session had been like hearing himself through a stickity radio. It was the boy. It must be and Mr. Curtin had just begun to suspect that George was an unfit messenger after all—that, in fact, he might be untrustworthy—when the session improved. The boy's mind grew more receptive, and the whispers' wrinkled messages straightened, and Mr. Kern had at last settled into some real productive work. He was just finishing the session when the interruption came. "'Mr. Curtin, please, sir, it's an emergency!' "'Rats and dogs,' Mr. Kern said furiously, thrusting off his red helmet." Behind him, the cups in the blue helmet freed Sticky, who rose, wobbling, in a state of weak confusion. Rennie leaped forward to support him. "'What is it, S.Q., Mr. Curtin said, pressing the intercom button on his wheelchair. It had better be important.' "'It is, sir. Two students are trying to break into the tower.' Rennie closed his eyes. His heart sank. The executives knew what the girls were up to, and S.Q. was already outside the door. It was all over them. And this, after all this, after Sticky had been so brave, had tried so hard.' Two students, Mr. Kern was saying by students, you mean children, do you do not, um yes, sir, came Q.''s uncertain reply. Do you mean to tell me you can't prevent two children from breaking in? um well, sir, we're sure to comprehend, I mean apprehend, I mean, we're sure to catch them soon. I just thought you should alert you, thank you, S. Q. said Mr. Kern, who did not sound at all thankful. Consider me alerted, and by the way, unless you are presented with an actual emergency. "'I want no further interruptions, understood?' "'Yes, Mr. Kern,' came Escu's reply. "'Sorry, Mr. Kern.' "'With a disgusted shake of his head, Mr. Kern exclaimed, "'Children! Am I supposed to fear unharmed children? "'No doubt they're in coots with my prisoner. "'Unlikely agents, but no matter. "'They'll soon join him.' "'He grew silent, staring intently at Stiggy, "'as if considering how best to cut him up and cook him. "'George, I'm afraid I was not terribly pleased "'with your performance. "'No, in fact, I was rather displeased.' "'Renard will take over for now. We will see about you later.' "'There could be no doubt that Mr. Kern meant by "'we will see about you later,' but Sticky was too exhausted "'at the moment to be afraid. He only shook his head. "'He had done all he could.' "'Mr. Kern gestured impatiently toward the cushions, "'and Rennie helped Sticky over to them. Sticky collapsed. "'Renny turned to meet Mr. Kern's gaze and saw in those silverly lenses "'the reflection of his own uncertain frightened face.' The time has come, Renard, said Mr. Kern. Unsatisfactory though your friend's session has been, we are none the less close, very, very close. Mr. Kern coughed and wiped his pale, moist brow. As if to himself, he mumbled, I'm afraid I must pause for a refreshment, though, but only for a moment. It can't hurt to savor the occasion at any rate. A cup of juice, then. Do you hear me, Renard? I shall have a cup of juice. After that, only a few minutes more. And then, and then, the improvement will begin. "'Can you believe it?' "'I can scarcely believe it myself.' Mr. Kern's face, though pale and drawn, quite gleamed with exclamation. His dream was on the cusp of becoming reality. Rennie glanced at the Whisperer, then his glance hardened to a focused gaze. He couldn't tear his eyes away. Didn't the Whisperer look inviting? Comforting? It almost seemed to be speaking to him, whispering to him all the way over here. Was it whispering to him? Whispering the unthinkable thing?" Don't struggle for nothing, Renard. You can still join Mr Kern. Be important, be a part of something. But but Mr Benedict, Rennie thought. He he needs me to Mr Benedict. Is he the one who tricked you into joining him? Who encouraged you to cheat on quizzes? Who offered you special opportunities? Or was that Mr Kern, who said cheating doesn't bother him, who rounded up poor unfortunates only to give them a better life? Who has offered you a chance of being an executive? How different are the two men? "'Not very, Renard. "'The only difference is that one can offer you suffering now, "'while the others offers you a way to be long, "'a way to relieve the loneliness.' "'Shaken, Renny thought. "'But, Miss... Miss Permal... "'You can help her! "'You can warn her! "'Tell her to keep quiet about the voices in her head. "'You'll have Mr. Kern's ear. "'You can vouch for Miss Permal. "'You can protect her!' "'Renny clasped his hands to his head. "'But would she want me to do that? "'At such a cost? "'No, she wouldn't. "'And yet... "'And yet, it's impossible. There's no way out.' "'Mr. Curtin had finished his juice and was watching Renard watch the whisperer. "'You've missed it, I see,' purred Mr. Curtin. "'Well, miss it no longer. Take your seat, Renard. Take your rightful place.' "'Renny's mind was so foggy. Had Mr. Curtin said, "'Your rightful place? Or was that his own mind? "'And who had he been talking to him before? Wasn't it the whisperer?' "'No,' he realized, unfortunately not. "'It wasn't the whisperer at all. It was Renny himself.' "'Renard,' Mr. Curtin prompted. Rennie made his way toward the Whisperer. "'The session would go quickly. "'A few minutes,' Mr. Curtin had said, "'and then it would be over. "'And then,' he swallowed hard, "'what would happen to Constance? Would something dreadful happen to her "'when Mr. Curtin boosted the power? "'And what would become of the others?' "'He looked back at Sticky, "'slumped into a cushion in a posture of weary defeat. "'Despite his terror in the face of the Whisperer's "'irresistible power, "'Sticky resisted with all his might. "'He would never have done that if not for Rennie's urging.' And now how had to put him into disfavor with Mr. Curtin. Was Rennie really going to help Mr. Curtin? It would be a betrayal of their friendship. And Kate, to think of what they'd been through together, and the risks she'd taken. The curtain. The cuffs clasped Rennie's wrist. The helmet lowered. Rennie closed his eyes, only to see the faces of his friends. He remembered the final question of Mr. Benedict's first test. Are you brave? Now at least Rennie knew the answer. He wasn't brave. He'd only hoped he was. "'Good,' said the whisperer. "'What is your name?' "'Just get it over with quickly,' Renny told himself. "'Welcome, Bernard Muldoon.' "'Welcome,' Renny repeated. "'Yes, welcome was such a, a, such a welcoming word. "'It made you feel part of something. "'It made you feel not alone. "'No, he was not alone at all. "'And yet?' Renard Muldoon, what do you fear most?' "'In his mind's eye, Renny saw, still saw the faces of his friends. "'Sticky, Kate, Constance, all watching him with concern.' they have been through so much together. "'Was he really going to betray them?' "'You can never be more alone than if you betrayed your friends,' Renny said to himself. "'Instantly the Whisperer's voice said, "'Don't worry. "'You will never betray your friends. "'You are brave enough.' Rennie was so startled he almost laughed aloud. "'The Whisperer was too prospective for its own good. "'At the most important moment of all, "'it had just given him the encouragement he needed, "'the encouragement to help him fight it. "'Let us begin,' said the Whisperer. "'Renny was flooded with a terrific sense of well-being.' real well-being, not an illusion at all. He would not betray his friends. He knew that now. He had confronted his worst fear, and now it was gone. No need for the Whisperer to deny it. There was nothing left to deny. "'Let us begin,' the Whisperer repeated. Rennie braced himself. Let the worst come. He would be brave enough to resist, and he would not be alone. "'Let us begin,' the Whisperer repeated, more insistently. Not just yet,' Rennie thought. Let us begin. First, let me polish my spectacles,' Rennie thought. Let us begin.' Not without my bucket, Rennie insisted, he heard Mr. Kern muttering behind him. Let us begin, let us begin, let us begin. Rules in schools are for tools and fools, Rennie thought. And then, as if he had conjured her, Rennie heard Constance's shrill voice. It was perhaps the first time he had ever been glad to hear it. Help! Open up! Let me in! Ha! sputtered Mr. Kern. What is wrong with this infernal machine? And now another interruption. Where is that voice coming from? "'From the window,' said Sticky, who looked everybody as surprised as Mr. Curtin. "'The window!' Mr. Curtin said, thrusting the wet helmet from his head and looking toward the window. "'Nothing was visible beyond it but blue sky.' "'He grunted and lowered his helmet again. "'Never mind, we'll just ignore it. I'm going to finish this session if it's the last thing.' "'Open up, open up, open up!' screeched Constance. "'That's going to be difficult to ignore, sir,' when he said as Constance continued to shriek. "'This is outrageous. How am I to concentrate if—' Mr. Kern's face twisted with frustration. "'Very well, I'll have to address this. "'The window latch is too high for me to reach for my chair, however. "'George?' "'He glanced over suspiciously at Sticky, then shook his head. "'No, George, you stay where you are. "'Renard, go and see what the trouble is.' "'The cuff's unclasped his wrists, and the helmet went up. "'Renny needed no prodding. "'In an instant, he was across the room and scrabbling at the window catch. "'He flung open the panes and looked down. "'Just beneath the window, the miniature figure of Constance Contreras "'clung desperately to the flagpole.' Rennie's first impression was of a koala bear hugging the tree of a fallen eucalyptus tree, her entire body trembling with the effort, her eyes rolling with fright. She had a good reason. The least slip would send her plummeting to the rocky ground. Nor apparently was the ground a safer place to have remained, for there Kate was engaged in a furious struggle. Rennie's heart swelled with pride and hope. It might be bad, but it wasn't over. The girls weren't captured yet. Well, Mr. Kern demanded from across the room, what is it? Sticky was watching with a hint of new hopefulness. Rennie kept his face turned away. He must not reveal a smile to Mr. Curtin. It's those children, as you mentioned, sir. One appears to be apprehended; the other is stuck on the flagpole outside the window. Mr. Curtin seemed unsure whether to laugh or snarl. Go ahead and haul him inside, then. This will be our last interruption. It's a girl, sir. Rennie corrected. Sticky, can you help me? Sticky, having recovered a bit of strength, came over to hold Rennie's legs, as he reached down and lifted the frightened girl through the window. "'Well, well, well, Constance Contraire, said Mr. Benedict with apparent—I'm not Mr. Benedict, sorry—said Mr. Curtin with apparent satisfaction. "'Just as I suspected. I knew all along you weren't to be trusted. In fact, I would have taken care of you long ago had it not been for—' He gave a sudden start, whooping off his glasses to reveal his great, bright, bright green, horribly bloodshot eyes— eyes quite flaming with angry realization. Had it not been, he repeated, turning those eyes now from Rennie, for you! Mr. Kern threw a silver glasses at the floor, as if without them he would have seen the truth much sooner. And then to the children's great confusion and horror, the fearsome man, unstrapped himself, rose from the wheelchair to stand at his full alarming height, and strode across the room to seize them. Kate Weatherall, meanwhile, was fighting for her life. Martina Crow had been hopping for just this sort of occasion, an opportunity of to exact revenge from past humiliations. And now Jackson and Gilson, never the most delicate creatures to begin with, were equally determined to knock Kate about, having been embarrassed, not to mention bruised, by her bucket. Kate might be clever and quick as a fox, but she was weary for now, and now one among the hounds. Still, she had managed to inflict some unpleasantness. In addition to the knot on Jackson's head, His pointy nose was swollen and red, where she'd pinched it to encourage her release. Joseph's ear was ringing painfully, the result of a well-placed elbow, and Martina had been rebuffed by an excruciating skin scrape. The executives circled her more warily now, looking for the right moment to renew their attack. Kate crouched, watching them carefully, her lasso at the ready. For once, Constance had followed Kate's advice, had untied herself so the executives couldn't lank her down, and the rope was now free. The others circled and circled, eyeing the lasso, looking for a weakness. But it was Kate who saw one first. Martina, taking an awkward step, was slightly off balance. Kate fiended to the side, moving as if to flee. When Martina lunged to stop her, Kate snared her ankle with the lasso and jerked her off her feet. Martina landed in the dust with an angry growl. It was an excellent throw, but it was also the beginning to the end. Before he could let go of her rope, Martina grabbed it and heaved. Kate was pulled off balance, and Jackson chose the exact moment to give her a shove. And no gentle shove at that. It was as if she'd been struck by a ram. Kate went reeling, trying to catch herself, but it was Jilson who caught her. The next few minutes were wretched ones indeed. need. Kate's ears were boxed, her hair pulled, her cheeks pummeled with Jilson's bolt like knuckles, and though she reared and twisted, swung her fists, and kicked her feet, she could do nothing to stop them. Kate had told herself she could handle the executives, but she'd been fooling herself. Just as she had fooled herself for so long, she couldn't do everything by herself. She realized that now. Kate stopped struggling. Why struggle? She was of no use to her friends now, herself, or anyone. She was completely overcome, helpless and alone. The bitter irony wasn't lost on Kate. The moment she'd finally admitted to herself she needed help, there was no help to be found. As if reading her thoughts, Martina hissed, Now you realize how outclassed you are, don't you, Weatherall? I don't blame you for giving up. Don't kid yourself, Martina, Kate mumbled through her bloody lips. I'm just taking a nap while you yammer on. This infuriated Martina, and as Jackson and Jocelyn redoubled their grips on Kate's limbs, the raven-haired girl prepared to unleash her most vicious attack yet. Stepping back to get a running start, she cried, "'I'll kick you until you cry for mercy, Ratherwall. I'll make you suffer until you beg me to stop. I'll beat you until you admit I'm the best. I'll—' "'You'll do no such thing,' said an unfamiliar voice, followed by three successive swit-swit-swits, upon which Martina's eyes crossed.' Gielsen and Jackson sighed, and all three collapsed upon the ground on dart feathers blooming from their shoulders as if by magic. Where Martina Crow had been, Milligan now stood with his tranquilizer gun. Covered from head to toe in slimy back mud, his left arm in a sling flashing from an executive's blood-stained tunic, Milligan, wonder of wonders, was grinning at Kate with joyous eyes. That was why his voice had seemed unfamiliar. It was too cheerful. She hadn't recognized it at all. And yet, staring at him all the while, Kate rose unsteadily to her feet. And yet, something about those eyes. There was something familiar about him. After all, something... Sorry it took me so long, Katie Cat, said her father.